Everybody, would you please turn to the book of Exodus, chapter 14. This morning I want to share a word with you called Winds of Change. We are in a situation and in a time, I believe, that we're going to see winds of change. Every time there's a reference in the Word of God to God's wind, it always brings change. God's wind always brings change. When His wind blows, when it moves, when the wind of God flows, you can expect a shift, a change. The wind is the atmospheric conditions, and when God's wind of His Holy Spirit moves, it changes atmospheric conditions in the spirit realm. I want you to consider this list of what happened when God sent forth the wind. The wind of God deals with power and change, power and change. It was the wind that dried up the flood waters from the earth after it rained 40 days and 40 nights after the flood of Noah. The wind dried it up. It was the wind that brought the plague of locusts upon the Egyptians, and it was the wind that took that away. It was the wind from the Lord that brought quail to the complaining Israelites. It was the wind that opened the Red Sea for the escape of Israel from Egypt and the wind that moved the waters back to destroy the Egyptians. It was the wind that brought the rain that ended a three and a half year drought in Israel. It was the wind of God called from the four corners of the earth to blow over the dried bones in Ezekiel 37. And it was a mighty rushing wind that was released on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came to dwell within mankind. It's the wind of God. And when God sends his wind, there is a climatic change in the spirit realm. I believe God is sending a wind. God is bringing a wind to come forth to shift what's taking place, I believe, over our nation and globally in the world. There's a wind blowing. And we need to realize the winds of change. We need to begin to understand that. And as we take a look at that, I want you to understand that the story of the Exodus is that original story that we're going to see paralleled in the book of Revelation. If you'll notice that the book of Revelation that John wrote from the Isle of Patmos is in fact the book of Exodus. It is that escape out of Egypt into the promised land once again. You'll see the same plagues, you'll hear the same story, and the people or children of God are coming into the final promise of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the book of Revelation is that Exodus experience. So I want to go to the book of Exodus chapter 14 so that we can read and see. There are three things I want to point out to you to prepare for the winds of change. The first, we start in verse 13. The first thing we need to do is stand and see. Exodus chapter 14, verse 13, the people are complaining. If you'll remember, let me set up the story for you. After the ten plagues, the final one being the death of the firstborn, where the Passover lamb was killed and the blood applied to the doorposts of the Israelites, Pharaoh's firstborn son was killed by that angel of death. 
He allowed Israel to leave. They took all the gold that Egypt gave to them. They left, fled into the desert. They didn't cut across the peninsula to go into the promised land because uh, of the other tribes that would have wiped them out. They weren't ready for warfare. They weren't ready to take that promised land. God took them into the desert to the Red Sea. Once they got to the Red Sea, there was a problem. There was a Red Sea. And it was in front of them. You got about 600,000 people standing in front of a Red Sea. Three days later, Pharaoh sends 600 chariots after him, after Israel. And now they see Egypt coming on the horizon towards them. And they're trapped at the Red Sea. And the people are complaining, we've come this far. You're going to put us in our graves here, Moses? And so Moses says this in verse 13. Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. Wow, what a declaration. Stand and see. The glory of God, the deliverance of our God. So what does he say in this shifting time that we're in, in this tumultuous time that we belong to? Fear not, stand firm, and see the deliverance of God. Fear not is the first thing. Wouldn't you be afraid if you saw chariots? We're not equipped. We're not an army. We don't have weaponry. We didn't have a chance to make anything. We left Egypt and ran. So there's fear. The church isn't ready to go through what we're going to experience in the next number of years, are we? Don't worry about it, because any weapon you tried to form wouldn't work anyways. Some of you stockpiling guns and food and everything, good luck for you on that. This is spiritual warfare. They didn't have anything, but the Lord said, fear not. They were armed with one thing that was this generation failed to accomplish, and that was faith. In fact, this generation that's facing the Red Sea, you think that would have been enough to walk through a Red Sea, but they still, as the writer of Hebrews said, never mingled faith with the Word of God, and that generation would eventually die in the desert. Faith. It says that in these days, men's hearts will fail them for fear. But what does the Lord say? Fear not. Fear not. Stand. Stand. Don't lose ground. The Bible never says, I'm sorry, the Bible says we're never to lose ground to the devil. The book of Ephesians, it says, stand. Having done all, you shall what? Stand. You stand. Our weapons are mighty. We stand against the devil. You flee from immorality. You run from temptation. You run from your flesh. But when the devil's in this situation, you stand. You don't lose ground. You have faith. Stand. And you will see the hand of God move. And so that's key. Number one, situation. The winds of God are going to blow. And when they blow, the writer of Hebrews says that there is a shaking coming that everything that is not grounded on the Lord Jesus Christ will be shaken and will be loosed. All things are going to be shaken. Could you imagine, could it be that the wonderful economy of America, land of the free, home of the brave, that our economy could actually fail? Could it? 
Absolutely. What are we going to do when that happens? What do we do? Stand. Fear not. Stand. I might lose my house. What do you do? Stand. Amen. Amen. You stand and you'll see the deliverance of our God. Now I'm talking reality here, folks. Reality. What happens? Oh, God forbid. Let's, let's think of the strangest thing. Let's, think, let's just think crazy and wild. Let's just, let's just think that, uh, um, I don't know. Let's just think like, like sexual perversion became the talk of the day. But really, really. Like, like, like homosexuality became our entertainment, right? Like you watch that on TV and everything. Let's just think really crazy. Let's think if they abandoned marriage and redefined it. Wouldn't that be crazy? Could that be possible? Wake up, America. It's here. Right has become wrong. And wrong has become right. And what are you going to do, church? Right. We're going to stand. We're going to have faith. And we're going to stand. And what are we going to see? The deliverance of our God. The salvation of our God. So the winds are blowing, changing. It's coming. Now, I love what... Moses said, wasn't this brave and wasn't this wonderful? As he stood before all the people of Israel and he declared, fear not, stand firm and you'll see the deliverance of our God. You'll never have to worry about these Egyptians again. Wow, that's great. Then he goes to prayer and look what he does as he goes to prayer. Verse 15, then the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. So, obviously, Moses told the people, stand firm, God's going to do this thing, and then he went and he talked to God. God, what are we going to do? And God gives him an answer. What are you crying to me for? It's very similar to what God told his disciples in the book of Mark. Remember when we studied the book of Mark? How are we going to feed these people? He said, you feed them. Remember? And when the wind and the waves came, he said, don't you know? Didn't you feed the 5,000? Why are you worried about this wind and waves? You speak to the wind and waves. Spoke to the man who had a son who was a demoniac. He said, you speak to the demoniac. So God said this in the Old Testament. Moses, what are you talking to me for? Do something about it. So the church in this day has got to stand and do something about it. We've got to make declaration. We've got to stand. We've got to believe. And he said this, tell the people to go forward. I can't. There's water in the way. Lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. Now, come on. Think about it for a minute. He didn't know how that was going to happen. He did remember at the burning bush, he said, what do you have in your hand? That staff. There it is. Okay. He said, that staff, throw it on the ground, became a serpent, right? Ooh, it's got some, ooh, this is good stuff. This is a good stick. So he said, all right, Moses, lift it up. How am I supposed to divide that? The only thing Moses knew was to lift up a stick, right? But when God ordains a stick, when God ordains a girl, when God ordains a boy, when God ordains a man, When God ordains a people, when God ordains a local community church, when God ordains something, anything, wood, stick, hay, anything he wants, it becomes the power of God. Hold your stick up. 
He didn't know what was going to happen. He didn't know how it was going to happen. But God told him, you're going to have these people walk right through this water. That is awesome, isn't it? And so it begins. Now, what's the second thing God wants? First, he calls his people to have faith and stand. Have faith and stand. The second thing we're going to see is he then separates his people from the world. He needs to separate his people from the world. Look what takes place in this next portion of Scripture, verse 19. Then the angel of God, who was going before the host of Israel, moved and went behind them. The pillar of cloud moved from in front of them and stood behind them, coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. And there was the cloud and the darkness, and it was lit up, It lit up the night without one coming near the other all night. What God did is, you remember the the pillar of cloud? It covered over them during the day to give them shade as they're walking through the desert. That's awesome. At night, it became a pillar of fire to warm them and keep them safe in that desert. Well, at this point, that pillar moves from going in front of them And it's the angel of God. We know who the angel of the Lord is. It's Jesus. Jesus goes behind Israel and in front of Egypt, building a wall of separation between the children of Israel and the army of Egypt so that the entire night, it was darkness where Egypt was and it was light where Israel was. How many of you like that? And that's what God will do. God separates the lost from the saved. And the winds are blowing to where the differentiation, the difference between the world and the church is going to be more and more defined. We will stand in the light of Christ. They cannot see at all in the darkness. And that dividing line is the Lord Jesus Christ. You have to keep the pillar the same. And this is going to be the dividing line. Oh, you can talk about God all you want. You can talk about God and religion and prayer, and everybody's good with that. But the minute you call the name of Jesus, you've offended. How many of you know this? Pray all you want to pray. Say a prayer, God. Say a prayer, this. Say amen. Be spiritual. It's all good. But the minute you say the name of Jesus, division has come. And the dark gets darker. And it brings light to the people. God is dividing and separating. What's another word? What's a a biblical word for separate? Sanctify. God is sanctifying. This is a day and this is an hour. The winds are blowing where God is drawing a line. Do you know where he needed to draw the line first? In the church. And God, I believe with all my heart, God is using... These situations in this nation to draw a line as to who will obey the word of the Lord and who will not. And that line starts in the church. Because God wanted the church to keep itself distinct and to uphold this word above all things. But it didn't, did it? We lost our grip. We began losing it. We began losing our belief in the inspiration of Scripture, and the church began to flounder. When the church began to lose the belief that this is the inspired Word of God, the culture began to change. 
We no longer had a foundation and a rock and a measuring stick to measure. We began to doubt whether this was an inspired word. In the 1800s, we began to have higher criticism. And the church began to say, this really isn't what it means. This literally can't be taken for truth. And what happened? It began to affect the culture, didn't it? And then the culture began to stand against what was at one time a dividing line, the word of God. But the church failed it. And then in the 60s, it failed even further to where now liberalism entered into the church. And now you've got the church debating whether same-sex marriage is biblical or not biblical. We've got churches accepting what is clearly understood as sin. And so God is using that very thing to be the dividing agent in the church. We look at it and say, oh my gosh, what's happened? What's failing? God uses it and says, I'm going to give my church a spanking. I'm going to separate out the wheat from the tare. Because it is coming now where people will not be able to stand. You're going to see a lot of people who used to call themselves Christian not align themselves with the Word of God. They'll find an excuse how not to say that uh, this is inspired and the literal Word of God. Same-sex marriage is the dividing line. Does God say it is proper or improper? That's going to be the dividing line. And God is allowing the, the force of the government to be the correcting rod. Churches may lose their uh, tax status. Will that stop the church? What's the first thing we do? Stand. Thank you. And what? Fear not. We may lose our 501c3 if we keep preaching that homosexuality is a sin. If we keep preaching abortion is sin. If we keep preaching that, that's a dividing line. And now it's going to become hate speech. And now there may be fines paid. And now, so what's going to happen is from peer pressure, you're going to see a lot of Christians not aligning anymore. And God put a dividing line between Egypt and Israel. And that dividing line is the pillar of Jesus Christ. Is Jesus who he says he is? And so God is refining his people and dividing and separating them. And the group will be in darkness while the other will be in the light. Now there's going to be a war coming. They couldn't move. Egypt couldn't move until God said they could move. And so now we've got that separating line and we've got the dividing line. And so you're going to see a greater distinction between the saved and the lost. What do you do? When what were your friends and what was a decent community becomes darker and darker and more lost, what does the church do? We stand. We stand. Because we've got the light of his glory. Amen? Amen. Now, what happens? The third point, the wind begins to blow. I want you to see in verse 21 what happened. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind. How long? All night. All night. And made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on what? Dry ground. The waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. So I want you to understand that when the wind began to blow... God was moving. 
Moses had to operate in faith and raise up his staff, didn't he? Did he know what was going to happen? He knew that, I don't know, I mean, imagine what he's thinking. Are we going to walk on the water? Are we going to swim? Is he going to give the ability, but there's women and children here, and we have to cross a mile across the Red Sea. What's going to happen? I'll raise my stick, but what's going to happen? Have you ever been there? I'll raise a prayer up, but I don't know what's going to happen. But there's a distinction between you and the world. That distinction is God is with you, and God is for you. Do you believe that? Then we stand and we have faith, and we'll see the deliverance of our God. Now, I want you to know this isn't like Cecil B. DeMille. This isn't like the Ten Commandments movie. This isn't he lifted up his staff and the water went. What does it say took place? All night. So how you wanna, how would you like to be Moses? Hold that stick up, Mo. And all the people are waiting. What's he doing? He's holding a stick. Oh, that's great. We've got the Egyptian army behind us. This cloud is right now keeping them from us. He better have a better plan than that. 10 o'clock. What's Moses doing now? Uh, He's standing. He's holding a stick. Okay. It's 11 o'clock. I'm getting hungry. How about you? What's Moses up to? He's, He's still standing kind of shifted in his weight. Midnight. Wow, it's getting kind of windy. The wind is blowing. This is getting crazy, man. The sand getting in my eyes. I'm getting sprayed all wet. The wind is blowing. It's blowing. It's blowing. What's Moses doing now? Standing. One o'clock. What's he doing? It's two o'clock. Three o'clock. Four o'clock. All night. Some nights can be really long, can't they? But what are we going to do? We're going to stand. And we're going to see. If you keep your eyes open and you stand long enough and you keep holding firm, what will we see? The deliverance of our God. We're coming into a time when the winds are going to blow. The winds of adversity... They're going to blow hard. There's a dividing line coming in the church. You're going to see people leave. You're going to see people upset. You're going to see people uh, uh, thinking that we're haters, thinking that we're bigots, thinking that we uh, think we're better than everybody else. We're going to have a real issue here. Are you still going to come and worship together on a Sunday when there's 12 of us? Will you still come? Uh, But what's going to happen is the glory of God is going to penetrate on the church more brilliantly and more brighter to give us the strength to do what? Stand in the midst of this thing. And we're going to begin seeing the wind of God blow. And you're going to begin seeing people delivered, people healed, things happening that are going to be amazing because in the book of Revelation it says that there is a number that comes out of this tribulation and this adversity and this difficult time on the earth that cannot even be numbered. So many people coming to the Lord because they're going to cross between the line of darkness into the kingdom of light. 
and there's going to be a deliverance of our God that's coming powerfully and mightily, but you're going to have to do what? Stand. And so all night he stood. All night he held. He waited as the wind blew and picked up and blew harder and harder and harder. He's having to stand now, and it's harder to stand because the wind of God is blowing so strong that he can barely stand, but he keeps his staff raised, and the wind of God is moving and moving, and he begins to see the water rippling, and as it's rippling, it begins to get in his mind. God's doing something now. God's moving this water. Something's beginning. He begins to see a rut, a gully being made, and the water's beginning to part and beginning to separate, and he's beginning to get excited now, and he's got new strength to raise the staff higher. The people go, what's going on? And they're beginning to see before their eyes. It begins to open wide, and it splits like two walls separated, but they can't go in yet because the wind's still got to blow because it's got to dry up the mud and the mire so that they can walk on it so it opens up and it continues to blow and he says wait not yet people but but Moses they're coming not yet wait upon the Lord because he's going to have us walk on dry ground when we get through this thing and the wind blows and blows and blows and the same wind that's stirring that cloud to keep Egypt off their back it glorifies and there's a spotlight Shining right through the middle of this thing. Lighting their way. And they begin to take the first step. Come on, get them through. Get the cattle through. Get the people through. Get that, get that kid. Somebody get that kid. Get over here. And, and they get all the people walking all the way through on dry ground. Come on. That's awesome. Isn't that wonderful? And then what happens? Egypt follows. The chariots follow. Oh, great! That was good, but what does this do for us? John says that Jesus said, the wind blows where it wishes, where it wants to. You hear the sound, but you don't know where it comes from. You don't know where it's going. So is everyone who's born of the Spirit. You don't know who's going to get saved. You don't know who's going to get lost. You don't know how God's going to get you out of this thing. You don't know how he works, but he shows up and he does it. We've spent too much time trying to strategize on what God should do for us. We spend all of our effort in prayer to tell him what he should do. We've got it all figured out. When what he says is, would you just stand and trust me? Israel, just keep walking through the water. I'll take the rest. I've got your back. And when that last foot stepped onto dry land from the Red Sea, what happened? The winds blew again and absolutely crushed the Egyptian army. Did they know exactly what was going on? Not at all. Look, I don't know what's going on. Do you know what's going on right now? Huh? Do you understand what's going on in this world right now? I don't know what his plan is. All I know is he's got one. And I know his wind is blowing where he wants it to blow. And he is accomplishing what he wants to accomplish. And what are we supposed to do? Stand with him. Paul said this about that Red Sea experience. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. 
In other words, they were completely immersed into the plan and following their leader, Moses. You and I have been immersed in Christ Jesus, baptized in his spirit. So we will be delivered. We will be saved. We will get through this thing. So all we need to do is one, fear not, stand, see the deliverance of our God, separate away from the world, and go where God tells us to go. Is that simple enough? Is that simple enough? Are you willing to do this? Then let's stand together. I'm praying right now for us as a people, and I want to believe that everybody in this place knows the Lord Jesus Christ. But I'm going to put it out there that if you don't know the Lord, I want to give you this opportunity. Maybe you've been coming to church, but you've not made the separation or the dividing line unto Jesus Christ. There's no other way of salvation. You must come to the cross of Jesus. And I want to give you that invitation that you'd be delivered from this crazy world and you'd be baptized into Jesus, safe for all eternity. If there is anyone who doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to pray with you. At the end of this service, we're going to have people here right up front that you can come to and they can lead you into that prayer of salvation. And we want to do that for you. Is there anyone here today that wants to receive Jesus? You've never called him your Lord and Savior? Just lift up your hand if, if you've never called on the Lord. You know the times we're in. You know you need him. All right. I pray right now, Father, for us as a people that we are going to stand. And having done all, we will stand. And we're going to trust you, O God, and know that you're going to accomplish your will in our lives through our lives, and in this day and hour. We bless your holy name. Amen. Amen. Amen.